Hello, everyone, and welcome to That's a Dumb Rule Podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Greg. Greg, today we're picking up where we left off with some of our discussion podcasts. So we've been doing these kind of here and there. Um, It's just Mm -hmm. when a moment comes up where we're like, you know what, let's just sit down and have a good long chat about, you know, NFL player rules or or NBA or whatever it might be. Um, On this discussion, you got to lead the topic. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what did you have in mind? So I thought we could just talk about the NBA. Awesome. Where it's at today. If basically the health of the NBA, right? Oh yeah. How are things looking? We know over the course of history, so this goes really true for for any sports league. There are good times and not so good times, right? <laughs> so I'd like to just get your your take on what. T- let's take a pulse of the NBA as it sits today in 2022 and, and yeah. things. So I'm just going to rattle off some some topics. We can discuss them back and forth. You can give me your take on them. Yeah. Um, so the first I want to touch on is the one and done. And one oh, and done yeah. for those listening, the one <laughs> and done is where there's a rule that says a college player can can go into the NBA from college after one year in college. Right? Yeah, they have to be one year removed from high school. So now it's getting more confusing okay. because it used to be you had to go to college because that's the only place you could play basketball. Right. And now we have the G League, named after Gatorade, um, where we have this thing called the Ignite Team, which is solely for kids that didn't want to go to college, that want to play professional basketball, they okay. can go there and make around $250,000 just playing and waiting for the draft to come. And they play in the G League, the developmental league. Now, is the G League, does that happen at the same time as the NBA league? Yes. The same season? Yes, okay. it does. Okay. And then when summer rolls over, I'm sure some people know about the summer league. Right. That's usually filled with guys that are from the G League that want to make the jump okay. to the NBA. Or it's filled with rookies or college players that were interesting, but they didn't get drafted. So it's really like a minor league. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, it's like a big tournament um, to finish off the minor league. Yeah. And and would you say that the majority of players do not get to the NBA from the G League? Or Yeah, okay. unfortunately. I mean, there was a good story a couple years ago. And forgive me, uh, I think his name is Andre Ingram. Mm-hmm. But the name kind of floats with me. I mean, he played in the G League for I think like 12 or 13 oh. years before he even got a start wow. with an NBA team. And he only played like two games and he was gone. Okay. So there's moments like that where you're looking at it and you say, okay, these guys are technically professional basketball players. They're being paid to play basketball. And most of them realistically aren't going to make a team. Um, and a lot of them, I think, end up going over to Europe. Like that's a really great way to go. Okay. Um, there's been a couple good guys. I know we're both Gopher fans, but like Mbakwe, do you mm-hmm. remember him yeah. as a center? Yeah, right. Um, for non-Minnesotans, he was a really talented center, but just never could really make that connection to the pro level. Right. Um, and he ended up in Tel Aviv not okay. long after. So sure. getting an opportunity doesn't always mean staying in the G League. Actually, the European leagues, I would argue, are by far the more superior option because, A, you've got a great fan base, you're on the senior team, you travel, and you're getting paid to play professional basketball on a national scale. Would you say that the NBA is, well, I'm sure they all, they're always looking at all these leagues to, mm-hmm. to pick players from, right? And they're essentially trying yeah. to recruit them to Especially play. Especially this year, because I made you sit down and watch Victor Wembanyama. Right. Um, and then Luka Doncic was another one from Real Madrid. Okay. Um, we've had some really good international players coming. And I mean, they've been out there for a long time. We just were slow to get there. Uh, and now we're really starting to see them take off. And we got the Dragic brothers, Luka Doncic, um, Bogdan Bogdanovic. Uh, I mean, there's a ton of Bogdanovic actually right. in the NBA, but all the same, right. like they're really great to yep. see 
all these new styles of play coming in from all over the world. And now we're also seeing China, you know, is starting to take a lot of our players as well. Now, you know, Russia had a league for a while for men and women. Ukraine had a league for a while. The Euro League is really popular. Um, Germany's becoming kind of a powerhouse with some basketball. I mean, Dennis Schroeder, Dirk Nowitzki, like obviously Dirk's gone, but there's some roots there. Mm -hmm. Spain is still a really talented team. I mean, they were in a documentary not long ago, but now they got to raise that new crop of talent. Argentina historically had a very nice team. China has invested a ton of money in trying to make their national team good. Right. Um, Because there's such a fatuation with basketball there. Um, So I think it's really nice because I actually don't like the one and done rule. I think if you want to go to high school or go from high school to the pros, you can. It should be like singing, like any other natural ability. If you can do it and you want to profit off of that, go ahead. So I remember when the Timberwolves drafted Kevin Garnett. Yeah. Right out of high school. Yeah. And back then, it was kind of taboo to take them early, like with the number one pick to go out of high school. Right, right. So that was obviously before this rule was put in place. Yeah. But I'm, I'm wondering when you just talked about the international stuff, too. So the NFL is is doing everything it can to become an international sport. We have games in London. We have games in Germany this year. Yeah. The NBA is already kind of international sport. But let me ask you this. Are... are Bringing in these great players from really around the world, that takes up spots for other players who yeah. live in the U.S., right? Yeah. So, I mean, is it a thing where people are saying, look, all these international players are taking our spots, or is that not really a thing? You know, I, I think with the climate that we have now, they're not as concerned because there's always, you know, situations like Team USA, for example. Like Joel Embiid just became an American citizen. Okay. And they've been begging him to come play for Team USA. Like that I could see being an issue with a lot of people in basketball because Hakeem Olajuwon was a U.S. citizen. He played for the Dream Team too. Right. So all of a sudden, you know, the Congo is losing Joel Embiid. Well, that's a big deal for the Congo, Mm -hmm. whereas for Team USA it's a big gain because we're picking up one of the best centers in the world. I would argue the second best. So I think it's more a problem when you get to the FIBA level which is international basketball, which is the Olympics. Um, But when you're talking about the NBA, you know, we're talking about the health of the league. We're about to have an expansion here. I think we're going to add two new teams. And there's enough talent in the league right now and internationally where they deserve those spots. And if you can't keep up, like, it's the food chain. And now we're going to be having two more teams be added, most likely two. Okay. Um, Seems like Vegas is going to be a lock. I'd like Seattle in there, but... You got to make it an Eastern Conference team, maybe St. Louis. Right. Who knows? Sure, sure. Um, but there's more seats about to open up. But I think this is about as healthy and as deep of a league as it's ever been. But you really don't hear about oh they're taking these American spots. Well, America's been slipping. Yeah. Like the world's catching up. Right. I mean, we didn't win in the last right. time around. Yeah. You know, especially with FIBA, we didn't win that right. World Cup. I think it was Spain last time with Ricky Rubio and, right. and the sure. Gasol brothers. So there's been a lot of ground that's been made up. And I would argue the best player in the world right now is an American, if you want to mm-hmm. believe Giannis is. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah. He's from Greece. Okay. And then you look at the future, I would say if I was a betting man, the next best player in the world is Luka Doncic. When it comes to down the line, right, five years, ten years from now, right. not American. Okay. So I think that's just the way things have turned. It's been like a ship. It's slow to turn, but now we're there and we're like, oh my gosh, we're in the middle of this renaissance for yeah. European basketball. Yes. 
I mean, Porzingis, the 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 crazy draft picks that have been swings, but they hit, is yeah. remarkable. Every yeah. team has one now. Rudy Gobert, you know, another one, yep. just right off the bat. Wow. Okay. Well, that's okay. Great. I I think that's. And, and I always wanted to ask you because you certainly have much more. Um, you're much more in tune with the state of basketball in the world, but. Is the NBA still the coveted, like, everyone wants to get to the NBA? Or are there players in Spain or Germany yeah. that are like, this is the best it gets? No, I think it still is the NBA. Okay. Um, I will say in Spain, I'm glad you brought that one up, because there is value to playing for the club you grew up for. In particular, Luka Donacic, obviously Slovenian, right? right. He's from Eastern Europe. Um, he played for Real Madrid. Famous for soccer, right? Right. But you get to wear that white... And everyone knows that crest, right? Yeah. They started out as athletic clubs. That's why you have Atletico Madrid, right? Oh, you have these clubs okay. that originally were like men's health clubs, right? Sure, right. And they had a soccer team, and they started playing each other, and then they became professional teams, and they just hmm. kept the name. So CF, football club, yes, right? They right. were clubs. So I think that there's been a lot of excitement in Spain to play for like Seville, Real Madrid, Barcelona. Uh, Paul, Paul Gasol came out of Barcelona because they're schools. And you get to represent your school, oh, and then you okay. also get to represent your 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 state or your team or your city or whatever it might be. Right. And that crest just means something in Europe. It's the same idea as like if you went and played basketball at like Ohio State, mm-hmm. or you played for a basketball school, Kentucky, right? Not everyone gets to play that, but it just means something different in the U.S. Got if it. you came from Kentucky or if you came from Duke. Sure. If you're in Europe and you played for Real Madrid, like people know Real Madrid. That's okay. the most popular soccer team in the world right now. Got it. FC Barcelona. Um, and then you look at Bayern Munich. There's a ton of Greek teams as well that are really good. Um, I believe Turkey has another good one I'm forgetting right now. But there's some good teams over there, and there's a lot of pride in that. And they understand, you know, I might not make the NBA, but I'm – I'm the guy here, so I'm going to own that corner. Okay. And that's why you get a lot of really good, at least in my opinion, European players. Sure. Because you have to play defense. you yeah. got to be able to play over there. Okay. Whereas in the NBA, we're starting to lean somewhat on specialist, but it also means you need the straw to stir the drink, and you get more guys like a Luka. Right. You get a LeBron. You get a KD. These guys that are so multi-purposed, that's almost unbelievable that they even can exist. Right, right. Okay. Let's move on. Um, yeah. The second thing on my list is the lottery system. Now, <laughs> I know, um, yeah, you laugh, right? So mm-hmm. I know that the NBA, so the lottery system is, is essentially the draft, right? So yeah. every year, mostly. It's the cut. draft before the draft. Right. So, and, yeah. And I know they've made a lot of changes along the way here. This hasn't been in place since day one. So tell me about the lottery system, just high level, and then what you think, you know, is it good? Is it something yeah. that should change? So the lottery system, the one thing that's really good about it is the name fits perfectly. It is a lottery. And the idea is they put some ping pong balls in, and every team gets a percentage of how likely they are to draw the first, second, third, fourth, fifth pick. Okay. Um, what they televise now is just how likely you are to get the first pick. And they do it for the first 14, which is called the lottery. It's the first 14 picks of the draft. You're more likely to get a valuable player in the first 14 picks than the rest of the draft combined. Why 14? Just that's the I number think they came up with? That's the number, and I think it came originally from the amount of teams that were in the league prior. So now we have 30, okay. and I think what happened is when they last redid the lottery, it was because they expanded, and they added two more teams. I believe it was Charlotte 
And then I'm forgetting Memphis? the... It could have been Man- Vancouver at the time. So, okay. yeah. All right. So, it started with 28. Um, oh. They probably redid it after Miami joined and Minnesota joined. Got it. Okay. And then they added Memphis and Van- or Vancouver, and then they added uh, Charlotte back after or what the New Orleans Charlotte one of those teams was originally an expansion. I know the New right. Orleans team is the original Charlotte team, right? And that Charlotte team's brand new. Got it. So, um, I think it was originally twenty eight were in the draft that first round. So okay. half of it. So they took half of them. Okay. Yeah, That's and then the started. other half made the playoffs. Got it. So or at least were above average. And so, for example, you have a 5% chance to get the first-round pick, and then everybody has a substantial chance to get that. And then they used to just draw ping-pong balls. And now I think it's a computer, but I can't remember that. I haven't watched the lottery in a long time, and that's ultimately the problem, is this is supposed to be the most important part of the draft. Who gets the first pick? Who gets Victor Wembanyama? Who gets Joel Embiid? Who gets these guys, right? (laughs) right? Who gets these? And no one watches. And representatives from history come. Jerry West shows up. Like, they nominate representatives to go and represent that team. And it can be anybody. Bob Cousy, I think, showed up one time. Wow. Like, these really cool players. Yeah. And people and figures. Um, and yet, no one watches it. And no one really cares to learn it because it's so tough to understand. And really, it comes down to chance. Right. Whereas, you can't, you know, you unfortunately can't have it the other way where it depends on how you play and the worst team just gets the first pick every time which, which a lot of sports do that the nfl yes. does that right yes and the worst play the worst play gets the best pick well nba teams tank and it means they lose on purpose and they want to get that first pick and they have done this in the past like the 76ers right had the first pick in the draft three times out of five years right and then they picked top five Every single year in that five-year To build up a team. Exactly. Before we go on to... Because tanking is the next thing on my list. I want to finish up with lottery. So generally speaking, do you think that they do the lottery well now? Or do you think it's something they should get rid of? I think they do it as well as the definition of what they want it to be is. You know what I'm saying? Kind of like, this is our system. This is what we want it to be. And it's smooth. It works. Okay. Like we get the team usually... We get a good-looking lottery. It's exciting on draft night. The problem is we just don't draw anybody in. It's almost like the science is too off the wall. Okay. No one can understand it. Right. So people would rather just wait, bypass it, and wait for the draft. Just see what pick their team has. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My mind immediately jumps to people are going to have a huge problem with this. What if we did the lottery like 30 minutes before the draft? <laughs> now that would be awesome. Wouldn't that be crazy? <laughs> that would be the best. Because yes. you really don't know who you're going to pick. Yes. You have no idea what pick you're going to be. You could be 1 to 14. Exactly. <laughs> and then everyone else kind of has an idea of who's going to be the first 14 picks. Right. But then you have to levy like, do do I do I try to trade for, like if it's, let's say for example, team A, team B, team C, and Team A is like, okay, I might get the first pick, but B and C can also get the pick. Do I trade to get their pick this mm-hmm. year right. and double my chances and then lose my pick next year? Yeah. Or do I trade mine away thinking, you know, there's a 50, you know, or really it's 66% chance I don't get that first right. pick? Right. So I think it would be fun to see general managers really, <laughs> like, have to put it on the table, yes. you know, and figure it out. That would be but, fun. But, um, I, I think it's also too much fun to be like, oh, who's going to go number one? Right. Especially this past year because we had like three guys that I thought yes. were worthy of the one pick. And, yeah. and then there were four guys that feasibly I thought could. Like wow. there were some guys that would just make sense at number one. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, it was a really good year to, okay. to see that. But I think it's about, it's working as well as it could. The problem is it is at the mercy of the length of the season and how the season's going. Because if they do have teams that purposely tank, and we will see that this year with right. Victor Wembanyama, yeah. the lottery system becomes less and less important. And I think eventually we will see some sort of change. What that is, I think it's going to be under a different commissioner. Because mm. I think right okay. now we're still stuck in an old period of Adam Silver learned from David Stern, who was the commissioner for almost 40 years, right? Right. right. I don't think that's going to flip-flop at all. I think it's going to take another commissioner or a commissioner after that to really look at this and be like, okay, what's going on here? Okay, so let's... I totally get it. So let's move on to the next one, which is tanking. So... And that kind of ties in. I know Adam Silver has come out this year to mm-hmm. say we're going to be watching. We're teams watching for it, tank- yeah. Tanking. So why don't you tell everyone what tanking is and, yeah. and why it's an issue or so, can be an issue? Tanking, in the simplest terms, is basically losing on purpose, and it gets really dirty because what they'll do is NBA teams will purposefully not play professional level athletes to ensure losses. So, for example, when we were talking about those G League players, one of the common things that they do is they drop their roster and they put them on injury reserve like they're starters. Let's say, like, for example, Portland. Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, go take a break on the bench. You guys just rest. We'll give you a fake illness illness, or whatever it might be, like muscle strain or whatever. Right. Uh, We'll say you have a hammy. Or or you just have stress from the season, like mental stress. Um, And then what they'll do is they'll pull up a bunch of young players that they're interested in, but they know they're probably not going to be on the team next year to be a working progress and just play that team and just watch the losses stack up mm-hmm. in hopes that their lottery odds for that number one pick go up. Right. So again, they're, they're losing on purpose. They're not guaranteed to get it. Exactly. Because they could have the worst record, but they may not get the number one pick, yeah. which is kind of good in a way, yeah. right? But they'll still probably end in the top five, top probably. six. Yeah. But all the same, you're at the mercy of the draft at that point, right. right? If you have the first pick, you know who you're getting. But yes, you're right. So um, the NBA obviously does not like tanking. No, because it dilutes the product of right. eventually you need people to come to the stadium. You want people to be watching the product in the stadium to pay for those. And then TV rights, you need to air games. If you're putting out crap product on purpose, mm-hmm. I mean, it's really easy for people to come back on the negotiating table as is probably going to happen here pretty soon when they start renegotiating the TV contract and oh. player union in, I think, the next year and a half. Okay. Hey, if you guys are tanking, we're not going to pay as much for a tanking team to be on the TV. Oh. And now okay. those contracts go down. So let's right. say, for example, you're in Portland, a small market team, and you're tanking on purpose. Well, you're already not attracting superstars because you're a small market. What if I tell you if you tank, you're also not going to be able to pay them as much? Oh, okay. So you are so, fully at the mercy of the draft. Right. You need to get that number one pick. Yes. So I think it's either going to become they get really, really desperate or they just step in line. And I think eventually you are going to see teams kind of glade toward stepping in line. Um, but I think you really need to give them more than just you know the TV money. This is going to change. That's going to change. Because the NBA is always going to make money. Right. The question is, can we ensure that you get the pick you want, even if, basically, can we ensure you get a good pick and that you maintain competitiveness? Right. Um, and right. those two things aren't going to be equal. 
Okay, so what what percentage of teams tank because they want the lottery pick or the number one draft, or and I'm and they're not necessarily tanking, but they're resting guys because mm-hmm. you can see a lot of back to backs, right? The yeah. team will go out to the West Coast and they'll play, I don't know, the Lakers and the Clippers or whatever. And a lot of the times these guys will sit just because they need to sit, and then they'll lose. So how much of that goes on versus just truly tanking because we want the draft pick? Yeah, so there's two kinds of tank. Well, there's a resting issue where I think the season's too long, where you see guys like the Clippers who have older guys that have had injury problems in the background, even right. though they're outstanding players, they have injury issues. Right. Just rest and say, just be ready for the playoffs. Because eventually that's where a lot of our money is going to be made is the playoffs. Okay. Versus teams where they're tanking and they're sitting guys on purpose because they know, one, we can get a good pick, and then next year we'll have an even better team. And that way we can ensure the value of, let's say, player A has injury issues, but when he's healthy, he's a really good player. Well, you know what? Why don't we save you for next year? Because we don't need to risk your health this year. Because if you snap an ACL, you're gone for next year too. Right. So that's kind of the mentality that they have on resting is we're going to try to keep you off the court as much as possible to ensure our $25 million, $35 million investment is ready when we need it. So if I'm a head coach, that sounds great. I want to yeah. do that. If I'm the NBA and LeBron James and John Morant and all yeah, these stars. Yeah, Kawhi Leonard's are, the big one right now. Are not playing. Yeah. And these fans pay you know hundreds of dollars to come out and see these superstars. Yeah, $450 for a courtside ticket. Yes. Yeah. Now, what does the NBA say about that? I mean, they're obviously not happy about it. So there's a respectful understanding for now. Um, over the past couple of years, they've tried to limit back-to-backs because that's where it was most egregious. Okay. The Spurs used to do this all the time with Tony Parker, Mono Ginobili, and Tim Duncan because they Duncan. were older, right? right? So they did back-to-backs. They tried to minimize them. And then the league basically in a soft way said, well, why don't we just cut down the number of games? And then everyone's like, no, that's less games for us to make money. Uh-huh. So okay. we're kind of at a you know, for lack of a better term, a Mexican standoff because you can't get rid of that many games because then you make less money in stadium. You can't fill the stadiums, right? The right. TV contracts can always equate. Right. But the stadium isn't open but as the much. The stadium isn't open, right. And then players could play less, but they don't make as much money because all that stadium money's gone. Right. So at some point, you're kind of, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Right. So I think right now we're going to have this standoff quite a while, especially because players are becoming more mindful of their health and understanding, hey, LeBron James is in his 20th year, and he's averaging like 25, 27 points a game. Yeah. If I stay around, there's not there's not a lot of guys that are better than me. Right. And I'm going to be able to be paid multiple contracts and walk away with millions and millions of dollars, even if I'm just a bench player. Right. So, again, this is going to be coming up a lot more next year when the player bargaining discussion happens in the contracts of how we're going to do this, the big one that's probably going to be struck down is we'll allow for resting, but every time you guys get pissed off on a team, you can't demand a trade and force your way out. You know, that might be the trade-off, right? It's like when we talked about baseball of pitch clock or, you know, what's the weighing option on the other end? I can't remember for right now. But I think they're going to try to balance it out of, we'll let you guys rest, but... You can't force your way out of a contract. Or right. we'll let you guys, you know, tank, but there's going to be less games in the season. But 
it's hard to ideally right. get an idea of what the equal trade-off will be. Right. Um, so, so we'll see. So let me ask you this, though. So they're trying to avoid back-to-backs, which is usually when you see a player resting. I get that. Why not simply make the season two weeks longer? I mean, the season is already, what, five months or whatever yeah. it is? Yeah, I think... have no back-to-backs. It more comes down to where the playoffs are. Okay. Because if you extend the season by two weeks... Or they could start earlier, right? They could you start could. in October or whatever. But you could. Yeah. Then you're squarely in football season. Yeah. I suppose they and have to compete with that anyway. You have so. to comp- well, and the NBA competes with a lot of things, surprisingly. Excuse me. Um, but, like, they compete with football. They compete with college basketball. March Madness. They compete oh, with right. the Super Bowl. Yes. And then they go down. They have kind of February, March, and April to themselves when the playoffs get started, and then playoff hockey begins. Oh, playoff hockey's in there, that. too. And then Summer League kicks in after that, and we're already starting to talk about the offseason. And then the NBA Finals is going on okay. closer to June. So you already wow. have a really long season. It's a long season. So I think, ideally, it's better to go backwards than it is to go forwards. Um, and then on top of that, if you extend you know, your time on the road, you extend your two weeks, it's all right. that more travel. Yes. So I think it's more, less is more. More than more is less. Right, right. Um, but still, I think it's a good point. Okay. Well, let's move on. So, and this we've talked about this already, but the talent pool. So the talent pool, uh, you talked about they're probably going to add two more teams. And yeah. I, I'm a big advocate for less is more when it comes to teams in leagues, right? I think some, some leagues, especially, well, maybe not the NFL anymore, but there was a time when... You had so many teams and just not enough good players. I mean, you could you can you could even make that argument today with the NFL and quarterbacks. I mean, there's 32 NFL teams. There's not 32 really no. good quarterbacks. No, there, really there isn't. isn't. You're right. So with the NBA, what are your thoughts on on the talent pool? And I got to tell you, just full disclosure here, I can't stand it when <laughs> they put together these super teams. Like yeah. LeBron James wants to recruit so and so and other. Yeah. Guy. I mean, it's like, well, that's not fair. Like, yeah. Not, but anyway, the one thing I will say about the super teams is I'm kind of glad they have a short half life. You yeah. know what I'm talking about? Right. Like. Right. The Warriors should have won four or five titles with right. Durant. They should And they only won, like, two with him. Right, right. And now they've just put four, but all the same, it's like, man, that could have been something, right? right. Shaq and Kobe could have been something. Mm-hmm. And now yeah. we're looking back right. at it and we're like, wow, when you put that much ego together, it almost self-combusts like you're damned from the beginning. But I agree. I like seeing... I want to see competition come back in the form of rivalries between players. Okay. I loved it when Durant went up against LeBron back right. when he was in Miami. Yeah. Or when we were rooting for Cleveland to face off against Los Angeles, Kobe right. versus Braun, right? Yeah. Like, we loved that idea. And now I think we're not going to be able to avoid super teams simply because there's so many good players. Okay. And player health's never been better. I mean, look at the Cavaliers yeah. now. Yeah. Like, True. they're insane. Darius Garland... Uh, Mobley's on that team, Jared Allen's on that team, and then they just traded for Donovan Mitchell, who's probably the best known, but I would argue he's not the most valuable player on that team. Hmm. I love Darius Garland. I think he's great. I actually think he's a little bit better than Mitchell. I love Allen. He's a defensive player of the year specialist. Um, Mobley looks like KG. He looks like a little more, not as fluid, but he understands where to be. That defensive mindset's there, kind of how KG's was from the beginning. I mean, that's a wayside small market team. 
even on a team that's considered low-end right now, like OKC, you have Josh Giddy, you have mm-hmm. Shea Gilders-Alexander. Right. Like, those are two great players on a very small team that's trying to lose right now. Yeah. So even when you're not trying to find a talented roster, you find one. Okay. And I actually think that's really good for the league because the, be- the better the players are, the better the games are. The better the games are, the more fans are going to come. Right. The more fans are going to come, the more players are going to want to play in front of that. So I think eventually this is going to continue to tick up because when I go back and I watch like Magic playing with some of those Lakers, God love them. They're awesome players. Obviously, they're talented. But the ability to score the basketball, let's say like A.C. Green. A.C. Green was a great player, but what did he do right. exactly? Right. Sam Perkins was not the greatest shooter in the world, right? right? He did have a couple years where you're like, okay, all right. But if he was in the game today... I mean, we've done this on the redraft. You'd probably be asking them to shoot threes. Right. You'd be asking them to do more. Right. And what we expect of players now, I mean, Ben Simmons, a 6'9 point guard, we're asking him to shoot, we're asking him to rebound, defend. Like, it's expected you know how to shoot. Right. It's expected. We're making a big deal of it, right? Back in the day, listen, Magic had to learn how to shoot it like a shot put. Right. Like, we just didn't expect it, uh, yeah. as players to do this. Yeah. So the standards are so much higher for basketball players. And now, because of that, we're seeing players become just incredibly talented all the way around, and some to the point where they're specialists, where they're specialists at threes, where they're specialists at rebounding. Um, But I still hope that we see more well-rounded players. So, in your opinion, if they add two teams, it's not going to dilute the product of the NBA? I don't think it will dilute it necessarily. I think it will make teams more balanced. Which is good. Which right? could be good. I mean, just think about this for a second. Back in the day, let's say in the Jordan era, there really was one star per team, right. generally speaking. Right. right? Yep. Charles Barkley had his team. Carl mm-hmm. Malone and John Stockton were an oddity. Right. Michael Jordan and Pippen were a championship-level team. Right. Um, Hakeem Olajuwon was his own guy, he right? Alonzo Marning yep. was his own guy. Gary Payton had Sean Kemp, but they yep. really weren't the same level. Yep. Um, I think that would be what the league would look like again, is having two would go back to being the key to winning a title versus right. having three or four. And I like that. Yeah. Like so that. you'd still have really good teams. You'd have very talented teams, but you probably wouldn't be able to keep it all. Um, you wouldn't be able to sustain a super team like we saw in 2016 with Kevin Durant. You okay. just wouldn't see that very often. And then on top of that, you'd see also odd teams. Like this year we get the Timberwolves with two centers playing at the same right. time. Right. You'd see a lot more of that too, where players are like, you know what, let's just see what happens. Right. Rockets threw out Ralph Sampson yeah. and Hakeem Olajuwon. Like, yeah. Let's see what happens there. Twin Towers. Um, not, not to say they can't do it now, but I think we'd see more of it because your talented pool technically – kind of does shrink depending on what we measure by right now. Right. So you're willing to throw your most talented players out there, and you know what? Let's see what happens. I remember Omir Ashik and Dwight Howard playing together for the Rockets right. back in 2011 and 12 with mm-hmm. James Harden newly acquired. Like, that was a weird thing. Yeah. But you know what? That was the talent pool. That's what we had. And it made some really interesting basketball. So I think even with an expansion, it makes it all worth it. Okay, recording has picked up one more time. Let's get going in three, two. All right, so we talked about talent pool. So now I want to move on to the next thing on my list, which is the TV contracts. This is where all the money is, right? Yeah. So, again, every few years, and this happens in every league, uh, the league will negotiate with TV uh, 
not TV, but with networks, right? Fox, NBC, ESPN, that kind of thing. And it's billions of dollars with a B. So where are things at with the NBA and their TV contracts? And, and is that something that you think is good? Should they be getting more money so they can play the, pay the players more money? Or where do you think? Yeah, so if I remember right, the TV contract has to be renegotiated after the 2024-2025 season. Okay. Um, the contract is currently with Disney and Turner Sports. Okay. So you have the TNT broadcast, you have ESPN coverage, Disney. Right. And then ESPN works with ABC as well, so they have some of the local markets too. Right. And then they also have deals with like Fox for the local side of things. Mm-hmm. A lot coming down the line. So when it comes down to the money, I don't know the exact numbers, but to give you an idea of just what an average player is going to be paid, I think there are going to end up being some three-year guys that are just making $80 million. And they're going to be wow. low-end bench players, right? Wow. So when you're talking about like, oh, well, LeBron's on a two-year deal for $72 million, right? So split 72 and a half, that's what he's making per year. Okay. Um, that could be bench player money pretty wow. soon. You know, like a six-man, seven-man oh kind of deal. Wow. And now you're looking at guys like Steph Curry that are on $400 million deals over a certain amount of time. That's pretty crazy. Now... One of the things that I thought was really interesting, and I actually think the NBA has nailed, is the short-term contract. Okay. Tell me about that. So back in the day, you used to be able to sign players to 10-year deals. Baseball still does this. Right. Football can do this. Patrick Mahomes is on a 10-year deal, right? Right. The lifetime, quote-unquote. Right. NBA doesn't do that. Because why? Basically, it was because owners would get handcuffed to players that were no good that they thought were awesome oh. and wouldn't be able to trade out of those contracts. So okay. they wanted to shorten it. So, for example, this is just an example. Let's say you draft number one overall, Olawa Candy, 2000, right? Yep. Um, and you realize, oh, my God, we made the wrong pick. But we've invested and we re-signed him to a $10 million deal over 10 years. Well, even if we cut him, we still have to pay that $10 million. Well, what if we just made the deal shorter so that way we can clean our messes up faster? Okay. And so that was the general idea. But that led to, if I want to force my way out as a player, well, you better because you only have two years of me right now. And it's just going to be a waste of money anyway. So you might as well go trade me to a team I want to play for. And so they can give you some real realistic assets back. Right. So shortening the deal actually did two things. It helped the owners and it helped the players. Okay. Which you could see being good, but now every time a guy gets pissed off, he wants to ditch town. Right. And we've kind of expected this. We were talking about the New York Knicks before this podcast started that maybe they're not actually, they didn't expect, well, first off, they didn't expect Cleveland to go get Mitchell as quickly as they did. Right. But they were getting ready to make a massive trade and then kind of make Mitchell the B player, but they're getting ready to make an A-level player trade. Okay. So that kind of stuff has happened now where they're like, okay, well, we'll just wait for the next player to get pissed off and trade for him. Right. Um, that's not good when you can predict players to be disgruntled and unhappy and be like, well, we'll just wait till the next guy gets unhappy and go get him. Wow. Okay. Um, so that's the scary thing about it. But I, I actually like that LeBron can say, you know what? I'm signing a one-year deal. Like this team has to prove to me that you're going to continue to win. Right. And when you're done competing for championships, I'm going to leave. Mm-hmm. So there's good, there's bad. Um, you can see why guys get upset, but you can also understand why guys really love this too and why it came to be. Right. But I think there's going to be more 
bylaws in the contracts, even though they're shorter, saying, like, you have to play this amount of games. Right. Or, like, they had an idea with Kyrie Irving where if you want to be a max-level player, as he did, you have to play a certain amount of games in order to make that. 60 games or Like, 62. Yeah. yeah. Let's right. say it's, like, 55 to 62. Okay. Um, so, majority of the season. Right. And then if you don't make it, you're actually making this much. So there's stuff like that that I could see becoming more popular and people have had ideas about it. But generally the NBA has been a very straightforward, like plug this in, you get that much, even though it's customized to every player. Okay. Okay. So yeah, it's, it's a weird time. And then the numbers are about to get even crazy. Like, (laughs) like when we're talking about like, well, who was the last dude? I'm thinking of Bryce Harper. Like Bryce Harper got a $500 million deal over 12 years, I think. I, I think that's going to be basketball kind of numbers, wow. but with half the time, right? It could be made oh in six goodness. years. It could be made in seven years. Wow. So, yeah, we're about to throw our arms up in the air and be like, how much? Yeah. And this happened once before. Like, I remember Tyler Johnson got $60 million a year, and he's not even in the league anymore. He just had a really good year for the Heat, and they were like, thank God, we just lost LeBron. Wade's kind of fading. Yeah. Bosch is, is in and out with health problems. God bless him. He was fighting some other stuff um but tyler johnson made like 64 million dollars over like a three-year span man and at the time i mean even now we're like holy smokes (laughs) but i think we're gonna see something like that but it's gonna end up being like 120 million for a guy that's gonna play for you for three years wow and he's gonna be a sixth seventh man that is insane (laughs) so and again i don't know the extent i'm not a financial guru i don't pretend to be i don't look ahead on this Right. But from every report that we're hearing, basketball numbers are about to get crazy. And just be ready to, to hear numbers that you're not expecting. I mean, wow. we were talking about Victor Wembanyama. Yeah. Um, that some of the financial guys are already estimating that when you add him to your team, you're going to get about, at minimum, 500K ownership value, right, going wow. up. And there's a realistic chance that he could be worth, you know, well over a billion oh or a million just by addition because of all the media rights, the assets, the jerseys, people coming in, buying food just to go see Victor Wenbenyama. Right, right. So he could be worth a couple million just to a franchise or even right. a billion, right? right? Like if Steph Curry left the Warriors, how entrenched is he in that culture? Right. right. I mean, that's a billion dollar player just walking out the door. Right. So it's tough to say exactly what this is going to do to the nba because we're just starting to really open up in a new way to international players i mean china watches a lot of our games and now we're seeing you know denver one of the most watched places for denver basketball is slovenia and slovakia and Hmm. and basically the former yugoslavia because that's where Jokic comes from right Right. so there's stuff like that that's opening up too and there's going to be a lot of new a lot of new avenues that are opening up for the NBA. Okay. Plus, we have the NBA. Um, Hakeem Olajuwon is now the representative for Africa. He's flying over there all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, we got yeah. one for Europe. We're going to have one for China as well. It's only a matter of time. I hope we get some out of India. There's a really good documentary yeah. called One in a Billion about Satnam Singh. Right. Um, that's really good. Um, India would be an awesome place to go and play basketball. Um, just because it's a cultural hub, it makes sense. Yeah. But there's a lot of places it's going and that money is only going to expand too. And it could poison it for a while, for a while because obviously you get drunk with power right away, yeah. but it'd have to come back to earth. And that's why I hope an expansion will happen because the pool will thin out. Right. And those players that are making that money, it is on them right. versus, oh, we'll just spread the love between sure. four of us. Right, right. So, yeah. 
Okay, so next on my list, um, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, but the length of the season. Good, bad, they need to shorten it. Yeah. If, if Let's say money wasn't a factor, which it always is a factor, but yeah. let's say money wasn't. Would you say 82 games is a good yeah. number of games? Okay. I think it's too long. I would rather it, even if you brought it down to 62, I think it's a big cut to make 20 games just disappear. But I think 62 is manageable. Really? Yeah. I think that's enough games. Because I want to see the playoffs more. Yeah. Right? And right. and when you're talking about 62 games, the average player is playing around 60 games a year. Right. So yeah, when you're talking about that, you're looking at if an average player is playing between 55 to 65 games a year, then the number should probably be right in the middle of that if we're not including injuries, right? Right. Um, and if most players aren't going to play all 82, if it's a rarity then that number is probably too high. Yeah. But that also means you probably have to restructure the playoffs to mean every single game in the in the regular season matters. So that means our playoff games have to be even ramped up even more. So right. instead of seven-game series, maybe that first round's three games. Or right. maybe that play-in tournament, it's one and done. You yeah. win and you move on. Right. So I think if you shorten it, it opens up more avenues for far more competitive arenas to be played in. Um, I think if you shorten it to 62, my perfect year would be the rope gets tighter the further up you go. So, or the rope gets longer the further you go. So, okay. playoff every single game matters, right? If a team ends 30 and three, 30, 30 and 30, like you're squarely going to be in that play-in tournament, right? right? Or roughly around there. Yeah. Um, and then you get into the the play-in tournament. I think it should be one and done, maybe there, and then right. you're like the intensity it's one of the last couple games of the season maybe even make it a part of the last like five games of the regular season where we go okay you know we're going to play 62 games plus these extra five that's the playing tournament yeah and then we have our finalists and it's one and done and now you have your field for the playoff and the first round is just three games we only play three games and the second round's five next round conference champion champ or conference finals Maybe that's seven, and then the finals is seven. Okay. So you could do something like that. Yeah. Um, or maybe you do five, seven, seven, seven. Um, I always love more basketball, but right. it just depends on where you're at. Because, yeah, if Kawhi Leonard can't play a full year, right, that's bad for basketball. Right. And if LeBron is 20 years in and he's your most durable player, that's probably bad for basketball. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, Kevin Durant, even even Kyrie Irving, you're like, you know, as much as I dislike either the personality or the character, whatever it might be, I love the basketball. Yeah. And I want to see him play. And you want to see Jason Tatum. You want to see the Celtics. You want to see all these teams because there are stars on almost every single one of them. Well, yeah, we want to see them play. Right. So how do we get there? Well, it's one, making them play less. And then when they do play, raising the stakes of it to make sure that we're playing at their best. See, I think that's that's a good way to think about it. Is you want to make it, you want to make the season long enough where the best teams will be the best teams, will yeah. end up on the top of the standings or whatever. But you don't want to have it too long where, and and I always say like, okay, the NBA starts roughly mid to late October, right? Yeah, that's when the season starts. Yeah, but and I mean that this is maybe. Maybe being I know where you're going, and I think you're right. (laughs) Yeah, it's like people don't really pay attention. We're right in the middle of football season. It's all about football until really till the end of the year. We watch for like the first month and the last month and nothing in between. So it's kind of like maybe they should start. Maybe they should start the NBA at the first of the year and play for. I would love for it to start at Christmas. Oh, Christmas! Yeah, that would be a great opening weekend or whatever. 
Happy holidays. Here's basketball. Yes. And then you're not 20 games off the schedule and everyone's happy. Yeah. And you, you miss the beginning of college basketball, right? Your low period is over March madness. Yep. Yep. And then you beat hockey's to the playoffs. Yeah. And you start after hockey too. Right. So you really do kind of have very particular times. And then on top of that, one of the things that I love about the NFL is we always know when the Super Bowl is, right? Right. right. It's we know it. We can yep. just tell it every time. I could circle it on the calendar. Yep. I don't know when the NBA always starts. It's like right. October basketball, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Christmas. Yep. Let's Christmas roll the ball out. Let's go. That would be awesome. Um so I think that's you know, there's a lot of stuff to be done, but again, I think it's gonna take another commissioner to do it because right now I think Adam Silver is just trying to hold everything steady right as we go through the biggest money influx of any sport almost ever. Wow. And so there's a lot going on there. Yeah. Um but yeah, I, I would love to see it shortened and I'd love to see the stakes go up a little bit. And then also, you know, maybe we're getting off the beaten trail, so I'll kinda of pull this back, but I want to make sure injuries matter, too. Right. And when you have a elongated season, Kawhi Leonard can make a max contract even though he's missing a full year. Because it's like, well, like, we need him for the next year's playoffs. Well, actually, if he's missing 87 games, right. that's a season and a half yeah. or a quarter. Yeah. Can we afford to pay that? Right. Can we get out there and do that? So I, I think it really kind of tells you exactly what kind of player you have. Even if the high quality is really high quality, mm-hmm. if he's not out there, it's really tough. Like I always think of Ralph Sampson. Yeah. Ralph Sampson's an amazing player, but he, he got hurt. He got hurt. And it was heartbreaking, and yeah. we feel for him. But at the same time, that's where the career went. Sam Bowie, incredible player mm-hmm. in college at UK. Yeah. Just wasn't cut out for it. You know, got hurt, his legs. Right. Um, heartbreaking, but that was the league. So I, I just think that shortening the season overall does a lot of good things. Even though 82 can be a lot of fun, you understand why it's there. Right. Um, it just makes a lot more sense, I think, for everybody yeah. to shorten it or, or just take it down to some level where every single game matters, right. or at least to a certain degree. You have to get to a benchmark of like 35 games to yeah. make the playoffs, right? Something, or race to yeah. 35, like right. something like that. Yeah. And then when you hit the playoffs... You have one side of it that's like one and done to make the tournament matter. And then you go to the playoffs, and then we get the stars at their pinnacle when they're hitting their stride a couple months into the year. Right. And then let them go. Because that's the one thing I've always wondered about long seasons. Baseball and basketball is, you know, you play these long seasons. You pay basketball 82 games, baseball 162 games. You finally make it to the World <laughs> Series, and half the guys are hurt because it's such a long, grueling thing. Yeah, you know? or your the player or your fan base is bored. Right, right. Like baseball, one of the main reasons I stepped away is because it is so many games to keep track of. Right. And then just wake me up when October starts. Right, like, exactly. Just call yeah. me then. So yeah. And basketball's gotten that way with me, especially because mm-hmm. it's like, I'd rather be watching college mm-hmm. for that middle part. I'm sorry. Right. Like, I can talk to you later about that. Call me when the playoffs start. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's not like that all the time. There's certain matchups I'll watch, but yeah, it's. Right. I, I just don't have an interest. If it's, it's hard to keep 
Well, and just the culture today. People, they, they're not going to sit there and watch 162 baseball games. They're yeah. just not. So. And if I'm not seeing Kawhi yeah. Leonard and Paul George out there, am I seeing the Clippers? Right. Exactly. So That's that's a big part. Yeah, so, it's tough. It's yeah. it's a tough conversation to have. but um, And I think you're right. I think that it won't be this commissioner, but the next one. And I don't know how many years Silver has been in. Is he, what, three or four years um, in? Maybe longer? He is coming up on 10. So oh, I, think in, okay. I think I think. Stern stepped away in fourteen. Okay. Um, and he stayed probably ten years longer than he should have. So okay. Yeah, it probably should have started to go away after the, after the, suit and tie the Iverson rule. Right. I think we did that yeah, one as well. We did that one. Yeah. Um, where players had to have a uniform. Right. Off the court as well, they had to dress appropriately without like logos on their shirts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, he probably should have started to go away after that because they had the world. I mean, by the throat with Iverson and how right. marketable they were. Yeah. Even though it was, you know, maybe not the most glamorous look, they had something. Sure. Um, yeah. And I, I think Stern might have missed the boat on that. And he had a hard time understanding the modern-day player. Right. Uh, for good and for bad. And I think Silver's, he's a really good one because he's he's kind of, he's a good negotiator. He understands how to be player-friendly mm-hmm. at a time when you need to have these players be your stars, especially because... Right. Football has done a kind of a poor job of making sure all their stars are marketable. We right. really only follow the quarterbacks. Right. Mike Trout, no one knows who Mike right. Trout is, and he might be the best player in baseball. Yeah, right. So I think it's important to make sure that your players shine, and these are the most well-known players I think ever. Steph Curry, internationally famous. Yep. Like I think you can go to every country and people know who Steph yep. Curry I think, is. I think the NBA does a great job on marketing its yeah. players. So, um, yeah. And that's the so, key. That's how yeah. they came to be. Magic and Bird, right? right. That's how yeah. it started. Yeah. So, so let me get to my last bullet item here. So yeah. overall health. So if you had to grade the NBA today, A through F, right? Is it is it as best as it's ever been? Is it mm. could it, could there be more improvements? Is it not as good as it was when Michael was around and yeah. it was all about the the eighties and the Bulls and whatever nineties? That's so interesting to think about. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna break it up and then give an overall grade. Okay. So I think player talents an A plus. I think we have some of the most interesting, unique, capable players we've ever had. In terms of, like, Kevin Durant, I've never seen something right. like that. When I look at all the tape, right. never seen anything like that. Yep. I mean, James Harden is a guard at Carl Malone, just a bull. Uh, Joel Embiid's 7-2. I mean, he's insane. Zion Williams is weird. Giannis, mm-hmm. Greek freak. Yeah, right. Um, LeBron James is still playing. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just so interesting to see all of the players that you look at, and you're like, wait, could they... Is that a Hall of Famer? Right. Like, Russell Westbrook's probably going to make the Hall of Fame, and we talk about him on the side right now. But, yeah. You know, I, I even like a Ben Simmons is fascinating to me. Right. But Joel Embiid, Giannis, Steph Curry, greatest shooter of all time. We have Clay Thompson in the league right now. Draymond Green's in this league right now. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. I like Pablo Goncaro, Chet Holmgren. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. Jabari Smith I really like on the Rockets. And then you look at, like, Jalen Green. Like, every single team has a guy that you're like, Oh, I would watch that. Right. Like, I want to see that. So I think that's an A+. Plus. Okay. I think coaching has actually taken a step forward. Defense has gotten better, but they're starting to back away from it. I know we've talked about this in another discussion where, right. like, when I look at the 90s, there's so many blown coverages. Yeah. And little things like no one's stepping up on the three. Guys are left open. Um, they righted that ship in the 2000s and into the teens, and now they're kind of 
letting the offenses wide go wide open. Okay. I will say offenses have gotten really, really smart. The pick and roll has become almost in, unguardable. It was forever. It's only getting better, especially with big men being able to shoot now. Um, offensive rotations are really good. I think players' offensive capabilities are higher. Scoring's up. Um, so that also, I think, is like an A, A minus, B plus for coaching. Um, the only thing about coaching is the guys who can coach can really coach, and the guys who can't can't. And how many of all the teams, How many? what percentage are coaches that can coach and coaches that can't? I think there's probably like most of your contenders are really good. Ima Adoku can coach. Nick Nurse can really coach. Steve Kerr can really coach. Um, I still believe Greg Popovich can coach. Like he can be a really good one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that there's a lot of pretty good coach. I even like Chris Finch. Okay. Like I like him here. I just think that the guys that separate you from a title and kind of help you win one as a coach, there's very few of them. Ty- Tyron Lue is another one. Right. So I think like championship level coaches, there's like seven of them. Okay. And then I think high quality coaches, there's probably around 15. Okay. 15 to 17. And then when you're looking at the rest, you're like, okay, these guys have like specialties. Mike D'Antoni's a really good one, offensive specialist, but he needs an assistant coach to worry about defense. Right. Right. And yeah. Boston had this with Doc Rivers. Tom Thibodeau was the defensive coach on that team. Right. So that's fine. You can cover that up. But in terms of guys that like know how to manage the personalities, Draymond Green right. punching Jordan Poole. <laughs> Only Kerr could do that. Right. He was punched by Michael Jordan. Yeah. He knows what it's like him. to get punched. Yeah. <laughs> he watched Michael probably hit more than one guy. Right. So I think that those kind of characters are very rare versus the 80s was the pinnacle. Like I think of John Daly. Yeah. Unreal. Right. Like that he existed. Pistons. And you're talking about a Pat Riley time. Mm-hmm. Red Auerbeck was still at sure. least in the conversation. Yeah. Bill Russell had a coaching spur there. Like some brilliant minds of basketball. Yep. Um, and now I'm just surprised we don't have as many players coaching. That's another big yeah. one. Right. But Ime Adoku I think might be the only one. Um, and somebody's going to correct me there. Yeah, and honestly, I think as a head coach in the NBA today, it's not so much the X's and O's, it's the personalities. Yeah. It's getting the 12 guys or however many are It would be amazing if John Daly was alive, right. wouldn't it? Yeah. And then <laughs> Phil Jackson was back yeah. in the 80s and the 90s. Right. Like th- That was a big coaching boom. Yeah. I think that's almost as good as it's ever been so mm-hmm. far. Um, yeah, I-, I-, I think it's just the expectations yeah. of a coach have changed. And now people call them more of a babysitter than they are a coach. They kind and, of are. I mean, yeah. in a lot of ways. But and yeah. the ones that can transcend that, Nick Nurse is one of my favorites. Yeah. I'm going to side with that. Um, but Kerr is another, and of course Popovich. But when they transcend that, you can see the difference in the team. Okay. And it's pretty impressive. Yeah, getting the team to all play play together. So yeah. overall health of the NBA. Yeah. Good. So, player, so I would say player talent, A+. Coaching is probably an A, B+. I would say financially A plus <laughs> plus. Right. I would say drafting is I, I'm actually lower. I think it's a B minus. I think okay. that there's player drafts that you're just like, what the hell happened here? Right. And then other ones you're like, whoa, okay. Yeah. Especially with the lottery, it pulls it way down. Right. Um I think service towards the fans is still closer to a B or a C. I think they do kind of push players to the front of the pile before fans, which Right. I get, especially because of the amount right. of interest they have, but yeah. all the same, there's still is stuff that needs to be improved. I think the playoff is really, really good as it is. Yeah. I think there could be some improvement, but you don't need to tweak it much. I think in terms of storyline, this is big for me, 
and I know you're going to think roll your eyes at me, but <laughs> I think it's important that you have storylines in the season. Sure. Magic versus Bird, yeah. right? Like right. those rivalries. Right. Um, there aren't any of those, really. Right. You know, there used to be Clippers versus Warriors, like in 2014, yeah. 2015, 2016. Yeah. yeah. Chris Paul versus Steph Curry. Like, we right. wanted to watch that. Right. There was animosity there. Yep. Lakers, Clippers should have animosity. They should. Um, but they don't. But they don't. Yeah. And Boston, Los Angeles, it just looks like another game. But, right. I mean, those fans care, yep. but the players don't. So I, I think that's kind of an F. We need those back in yeah. order to really be, like, the number one sport on TV is those storylines. Yeah. Michael versus, you know, Barkley. Or, oh, my god. Or gosh. the Bad Boy Pistons. Bad right? Boy Pistons, yeah. exactly. Like, right. we need more of that. Yeah. And... I think we've become too insular on one player being the focal point of the whole team versus right. the team. And again, it's just the way the league is right now. But you'd hope to see, you know, the last team I thought of was the Atlanta team in 2014 that won the East. Um, they didn't win the playoffs, but they won the regular season. Mm-hmm. Um, Al Horford was the best player on that team. Jeff Teague, um, Damari Junkyard Dog Carroll, um, Kyle Korver, and I'm forgetting one person here. Oh, Paul Millsap. Right. No big star on that team. Four no. of them made the All-Star game because they had the best record. Yeah. But we need more teams like that. Teams like that, um, yes. Memphis was that team for a bit, but they just don't pop up that much anymore. Mm-hmm. You need the star. And I wish that we could go back to teams having cultures and establish, like, we have a Pistons guy. Right. Like, we want that guy. He's a Pistons guy. We need a right. Spurs guy. We yes. need a Warriors guy. And yeah. some teams do still have that, but, again, it's so watered down compared to what it used to be i think that should come back i think it's so much fun it would do so much more for the league that storyline's awesome yeah um yeah just bring that back i think that'd be great so an overall grade for the league i would say we're at a b plus i think we're doing really good i think we're missing some of the like sticking points that make the league really pop the way it used to right even though we have all these star players the storylines are missing and that does detract from the league quite a bit yeah but everywhere else they're doing pretty well and then Ownership overall has done well. Uh, Robert Sarver was out uh, of the Suns, which is probably for the best. He didn't mm-hmm. really care about owning them. Right. Um, every owner seems to be pretty invested. Steve Ballmer is really pouring the money towards the Clippers. He's building right. a new stadium down there, so that's awesome to see, too, that people love it. Cool. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're missing that storyline to really emphasize the players. It's Steph versus Braun, right? right? That's all we have. That's all we have now. There's but... no, you know, LeBron going off to the corner and be like, man, F that guy. You know, like, we miss <laughs> right. that. We miss that part. Yeah, for um, sure. That would really make it interesting, yep. especially because basketball is so much of a mano imano kind of like, I'm a better player than him, so I'm going to win this game. I want to take him one-on-one. and Or our team yep. is, it's our unit versus your unit. Um, I liken it to... The Vikings and Packers. Yeah, right? exactly. Exactly. We need and the rivalry. We need the rivalry. It doesn't matter who's on the team. It, it, it's insignificant. It's yeah. the fact that the Vikings are playing the Packers. That's all you need to know. Exactly. The NBA needs stuff like that. Yeah, Lakers-Celtics. Exactly. Lakers-Celtics, right? I mean, yeah. exactly. Um, Bulls-Pistons, Bulls-Pistons, yeah. oh my God, yeah. There's <laughs> right. a bunch of them that would be good. Like I, I just yeah. miss those so much because you can feel it when you watch the old tape. Oh, yeah. And now with oh, so yeah. much good talent and... You know, the the caveat to this is most of them have been teammates before they played. Like, right, right you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. But to see, like, a DeMar DeRozan and a Cade Cunningham for the Pistons and yeah. DeMar's on the Bulls square off. Yeah. 
Like, oh my God, yeah. Like, yeah. represent the town. Totally. Like, totally. And then yes. you really feel the love. And love then I it. also think that could keep players in place. Maybe I'm looking up with the starry look in my eyes. Yeah. But if you had rivalries and you go and you're you beat the Pistons two years in a row, Chicago will love you. Yes. And you'll want to stay. You'll feel See, the love, even if you're a mid-level star. And I think we get some of that with Steph in, yes. in San Francisco, yes. Golden State. And honestly, I mean, when Michael Jordan was a bull, it was like you wouldn't even dream of him being on any other team but Chicago. It was yeah. Chicago, Michael Jordan, that was it. The only Larry team, Bird and the Celtics. Larry Bird was yeah. never going to leave the Celtics. No. Magic was never going to leave but the Magic. But now it's like these guys, every year they shuffle the deck and it's like, Yeah, okay. who does Paul George belong to right. when you retire his number? Yeah, it's like, and that, that I think is one of the reasons these things get watered down is like you don't have that just yeah. you know, rivalry that people, and that's what the fans love, right? They love yeah. the... Yeah. So no, I I I hope they come back. I know, maybe that's how we should grade that. Is yeah, it, it's I think really really good. It's do, just yeah, they need to do a key. better job of. And I get they need to market their stars. I totally get that. But yeah. they also need to market the teams and the yeah. rivalries and the cities and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, or or pin their players against each other. Like I remember. Magic and Bird were indifferent towards each other when this started, right? right? They played on the same USA team, yeah. not the Dream Team. Right. Prior to that, the USA, they, right. they played on a college USA team. And Magic and Bird, I have a couple highlights of them saved, where Bird passes to Magic and Bird, or Magic passes to Bird thinking he's going to score and Bird behind the backs it back to Magic for a layup. <laughs> and you're like, oh, yeah. But Larry and Magic didn't talk that whole time. Like, oh. it was just like, what you have for breakfast? I don't right. remember. And they moved on, right? <laughs> um, they played in, right. in the NCAA finals a couple years later. Right. But yeah. there was just, I have my guys. You have your guys. Giannis gets this. Like, you can tell Giannis gets this. Okay. But the rest of them, like, can you imagine if KD was like, no, I'm the best player on the earth. Yeah. And then Giannis is like, no, I am. No, Kawhi, right. I am. No, Bron, I am. And you have four guys battling for it, and then Steph comes in and drops 42. And yes. you're like, well, who is it then? Right. Let's throw right. this crown out there. So yeah. maybe you just make the MVP a little bit different. Maybe you do you tweak other things around it, yeah. and um, you just really make it super competitive. But I just don't think there's a lot of that in the league right now. I think it's going to take your Jordans, your Barclays, your Malones, these uber competitive alphas to come in and set a tone. Right. And we just don't have that right yeah. now. Yeah. You know, Braun barely yells at guys on the sideline. Yeah. He comes over and he coaches them, yeah. which is brilliant. It's awesome to see. Sure. And Steph Curry's not getting anybody's face anytime soon. No. You know, that's why they have Draymond. Yep. So I think it's just the mentality of the players right now in the league is very dependent on their personalities and we just don't have that. Right. Right. So Okay. I don't know. I, I think it's in a great place, but uh, I would love to see those come back. And it's really going to be interesting okay. when that new money hits. Yeah, that, that'll that change a lot of things. It always does. So yeah. Well, awesome. This was great to talk about the NBA, and I learned a lot. I always do when we talk <laughs> NBA stuff. But, um, yeah, we'll do another, another sport here soon. So. Yeah, no, these discussions are always fun. So maybe next time I'll just belate you with stuff too. <laughs> okay. um, but thank you guys so much for listening. If you have any or if you want to get in contact with the show or listen to past podcasts, visit our website at thatsadumrule.com. Otherwise, tune in next time for another Dumb Rule.